Hello and welcome to Punch a Hole in the Wind, a look at some of the great thoroughbred racehorses who have graced our racetracks all around the world over the last century or so. I'm Ollie Hine, and it's great of you to join me on this exciting trip down memory lane. My aim, as ever, is to both remind you of some of your heroes from years gone by, but also to introduce you to some others whom you may not be so familiar with. A more recent great is the focus of this episode, a huge near-black mare who so nearly finished her illustrious career unbeaten, but who nevertheless accumulated a legendary fan club who rightly appreciated her all-time great status. Indeed, popular doesn't always equate to great. Many of our heroes from bygone eras would best be categorised as plucky losers or perennial tryhards who entertain us year after year. But occasionally, there is crossover where immense ability limitless courage, and a huge fan club meet. And at the hub of that Venn diagram, you would find Zenyatta. Zenyatta's career was a compendium of superlatives and firsts, yet she never really seemed destined to socialise in such stratospheric circles. A daughter of Dubai World Cup winner Street Cry, out of Chris S. Mare Vertigino, when she went to the Keeneland Yearling Sales in 2005, she brought with her a rather unappealing, but thankfully temporary, skin condition that made her almost black coat look underwhelming and blotchy. Many prospective buyers were put off, but not Jerry and Anne Moss, who paid $60,000 for her. It was to be a sensational investment. She was given her name due to the 1980 album Zenyatta Mondata by UK band The Police, who was signed by Jerry Moss to A&M Records, and whose singer and bass player Sting was a close friend. And as the police had grown gradually in stature, so did Zenyatta, who eventually filled a huge 17.1 hand frame. Some swore it was even more, and she tipped the scales at nearly 560 kilos at her racing peak. Her massive shoulders were a sight to behold, augmented by freakishly high withers, not unlike Man of War's which could only be accommodated by a custom-made saddle. To round it off, she had this invisible on-off switch, meaning that she was a delightful, patient, kindly filly at home, but turned into a fierce, no-nonsense professional once on the track. Trained in California by John Sheriffs, he was canny enough to know that this outsized filly would take considerable time to mature and reach her peak. It was therefore not until late November of her three-year-old season, when certain other horses are already being retired, that the big filly made her long-awaited racecourse debut, over six and a half furlongs in a maiden at Hollywood Park. She soon took to her task, and stretched away to win by three lengths under David Flores. Three weeks later, at the same venue, she was tested over eight and a half furlongs in an allowance race, winning easily by the same distance. Even at this early stage in her career, three very telling facets of her racing were already in clear evidence. First was her instinct to turn her switch on and become mentally prepared to race. She did this by demonstrating a unique action in the parade ring that her burgeoning band of followers soon called the Zenyatta Dance. Clearly filling with adrenaline in anticipation of the rigours ahead, she would thrust out her front legs alternatively, almost goose-stepping her away around the ring, expelling excess energy. 
It was as though a highly strung dressage horse was on display. That, plus her jockey thereafter simply letting her survey the crowd and her rivals whilst motionless, was all she needed to warm up. Second was her perennial battle with her arch-nemesis, the starting stalls. Her huge bulk clearly felt constrained by them, and no amount of patient training over the years could make her either accept them or, ironically, leave them fast enough. She therefore started all her races immensely slowly, losing lengths to rivals before properly starting. And third was her stretch run. Many horses display a stunning turn of foot, but few do it with the metronomic regularity of Zenyatta, each time from seemingly hopeless positions, using her 26-foot stride to maximum effect. No time was wasted for her four-year-old season, and she was upped in January to the Grade Two El Encino Stakes at Santronita, and won in identical fashion, this time against Grade One winners, and displaying her Count Fleet-style tendency of running very wide around the bends. Now only being ridden by Mike Smith, she was sent on what would be a rare foray for her, out of California, for the Grade One Apple Blossom Handicap at Oaklawn Park in Arkansas where she dispatched Breeders' Cup Ladies' Classic winner and strong favourite, Ginger Punch. She returned to Hollywood Park in May for the Milady Handicap, where, despite the crawling early pace, she still stormed past the others in the stretch to win easily. A besotted Anne Moss commented, She always makes everyone look like they stopped. And so it continued throughout the season, demolishing all comers in the same inexorable way taking in a track record at Del Mar for eight and a half furlongs in the process. Her year culminated in the Breeders' Cup Ladies' Classic, run in her home state that year, and now starting at odds-on. She gave the high-class field another drubbing in the second fastest running of the race since its inauguration, her seventh victory of the year, confirming her inevitable Eclipse Award for champion older female horse. She celebrated in her typically different way, by guzzling a fair amount of her favourite drink, Guinness Stout. She loved the stuff, whether neat or drenching her oats. They tried other beers with her, but she would only ever touch that brand, and even then it had to be ice cold. Her fan club was now an adoring one, nicknaming their new hero Queen Z. Despite being given a lengthy winter break thereafter, only returning in May, Zenyatta carried on regardless on her return in the Milady Handicap, giving weight and a comfortable beating to her Grade 1 winning stablemate Life is Sweet. Three more Grade 1 victories followed with deja vu growing. All the races were in California, and she didn't change her running style once, despite Smith's occasional urgings. On more than one occasion, she was timed at having hit 40 miles an hour in the final quarter mile a speed usually reserved for the early stages of a race. Despite such apparent untouchability, there were still sneers from certain quarters. She usually only ran against other mares, albeit very good ones, rather than colts, and had barely raced outside California, usually on synthetic tracks, which her doubters claimed exaggerated her apparent supremacy over opponents. Her connections calmly countered this, Sheriff's pointing out that she disliked the synthetic track too and had to be trained on dirt track at Hollywood Park. 
As if to prove a point, she was entered for the Breeders' Cup Classic, which happened to be run in Santronita anyway that year, leaving Life is Sweet to take the Ladies' Classic as she pleased, thus already countering her naysayers. In the Classic itself, against the best colts that the US and Europe had to offer, she started even slower than usual, and was still seven lengths back in ninth with two furlongs to go. Yet still she found a way, reeling them in one by one and winning by a length from Gio Ponti, notching up win number 14 from 14 starts, and thus becoming the first mare to win the Classic, and the first horse to win two different Breeders' Cup races. Only Serena Williams beat her to US Female Athlete of the Year for 2009. Such was her popularity outside traditional racing circles. Initially, the Mosses planned to retire their champion, but then decided to give her one more year. She went back for another bite at the Apple Blossom, where her intended main rival, Rachel Alexandra, didn't turn up, giving her a bloodless victory. She returned to California for four more Grade 1 victories, including the Lady Secret Stakes and the Clement L. Hirsch Stakes, giving her an unparalleled 19 out of 19. Her last hurrah would be an attempt to repeat her victory in the Breeders' Cup Classic, in what would be only her third outing outside California, this time at Churchill Downs. No champion horse had ever retired undefeated in the US, and the international competition was exceptionally deep. Even by her standards, she dawdled from the stalls and had fully 15 lengths to make up after only four furlongs. Top Colt Blame had got the run on her and started his run much earlier. The mare, blocked by a wall of slowing horses, went wide and unleashed her breathtaking turn of foot, crushing all before her, except Blame. At the post, he was a rapidly diminishing neck in front, a position reversed just half a second after the finish line. With such impossible distances to make up, she had lost nothing in defeat, Smith even wrongly blaming himself. Sheriff casually said, You run that race nine more times, she probably wins all nine of them. And even Blame's connections weren't arguing. As a consolation, by coming second, she was still able to claim the title of highest-earning horse in US history at the time. The breeding shed at last beckoned. Nevertheless, authorities saw to it that Zenyatta's electrifying performances would not be quickly forgotten. The Group 1 Lady Secret Stakes was inevitably retitled the Zenyatta Stakes, with Santa Anita also erecting her statue just 18 months after her final race. Oprah Winfrey even named her in the O Power list for 2010. Zenyatta continues to have a slew of visitors to this day, far more than any other broodmare, and happily eats every carrot, peppermint, banana, and of course pint of Guinness offered to her. They make Queen Z happy, just as she in turn made her fans delirious during her sensational career. To find out more about Zenyatta and other greats from the past, check out my book, Punch a Hole in the Wind, out now and available online and in bookshops. Next time, we'll go to a different part of the world and share the exploits of another great horse from another era who could punch a hole in the wind. But until then, 
This is Ollie Hine signing off and saying thank you for listening.